You're listening to Kayama Community Radio. Welcome. I'm Graham Jurassi, and I will be your host today. It's springtime. Springtime is one of those uh, amazing periods when everything becomes alive. The waters get warmer, the whales start migrating south, the weekends are interrupted by the buzz of whippersnippers and the sound of lawnmowers. We get to go vegetable garden shopping to get young seedlings to plant, lots of bees and lots of flowers. In the Kaima LGA, it's a really special period. It also harks the period when tourism picks up and we get to enjoy both our hinterlands and our beaches. We will feature today two of our regular reporters. The first will be Gabrielle Cabral. Gabby will interview John Retreat from the Water Runners and will also play some of their music. In addition, Fred Hollis, the man behind and voice and mind behind Cryptic Coma Clues, will give the answers to the clues from the last podcast. He will also pose three new cryptic Kaima clues for you to think about and to respond. It's my pleasure to hand over to Gabriella Cabral, who is interviewing John Leitrich. Hi, Gabby. How are you going? Who are the Water Runners? Well, um, the Water Runners is myself. There's uh, Neil McCann, who's a local school teacher and plays banjo and mandolin. I play guitar and harmonica and sing lead on most of the songs. And then I guess um, the rest of the band has moved in and out over the last couple of years since we formed. We've got a, a lad by the name of James Turk. I shouldn't say lad. He's about 40. <laughs> but he looks like a lad. Down in Jeringong, he's a dairy mechanic in his normal job, but he plays double bass for us. And we have a young lady by the name of Danita Harris on fiddle, who unfortunately has moved to Wagga uh, in recent times. So it's made things a little bit more complicated. And then uh, from time to time on drums, when we can get in my son Dom, Dom Littrich, joins us on percussion. Before we had James, we had a young fellow by the name of Clayton Condon from Jaroa on bass, but he uh, joined the army. So um, I guess when we formed the band, the idea was to be open to having people come and go, depending on who's available. Fantastic. Now, the band has played at festivals, radio, pubs and events from Sydney to the snowy and beyond. Yes. How do you describe the music you play? I coined this term, I'm not sure whether it's been used by anyone else, but I call it... um, bluegrass-infused Australian folk because we've taken those sort of bluegrassy sounds of the banjo and mandolin and some of those styles of music but try to make it Australian. And we try not to sing in American accents. We try to keep our Australian accents. Good to hear, good um, to hear. Yeah, just Neil and I, we both love bluegrass and country music but you just get a bit irritated when you go to festivals or shows and everyone yeah, sing a lot by it and um, yeah, everyone about, wants to be an American. Yeah, singing about Mississippi or Tennessee. And I think, well, that's not really our experience. A few years back, Paul Kelly released a couple of bluegrass-style albums, and he, I suppose, showed how you could deliver music in that style without necessarily sounding like you're trying to be Dwight Yoakam or Lester Flatnell Scrubs. And be true to yourself. Yeah, be true to yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. There's very strong musicianship in what you do and, and really tight you know, harmonies and so forth. How do you get to that point where you've got such cohesion as a band? Yeah, well, I guess um, Neil and I have played in various bands for years. Neil was in a folk band called Wonga Willie for a while, a bush band. My background was more in rock and roll R&B when I was a young person, playing with bands like the Cockroaches and Dynamic Hypnotics. We'd we'd often support them on uh, gigs around Sydney. So you could have been one of the the Wiggles. Well, a couple of steps removed, but you never know. I could have got a skivvy. I don't think I looked too good in a skivvy, but (laughs) I guess when we moved down here and we had kids and what have you, a lot of music had to be put aside. But then we 
we got it cranking up again through forming a bit of a covers band with New as a part and we'd play at functions and events and then we also did some kids music through a side line we had where we did music for schools and then we found that we really enjoyed recording the more acoustic-y sort of country bluegrassy type tracks and loved getting the banjo out and we decided I guess about five years ago that um, we really wanted to uh, form a band that did that sort of music and wrote our own music. We played our first festival as the Water Runners. I think it was either late 2015 or early 2016 and pretty much since 2017 so for the last three years we've been solidly working. But is most of your repertoire original? Yeah pretty much 75 to 80% is original and sometimes we play only originals it just depends what the show is. Often if we play at a festival we'll play only originals but it's nice to chuck in a cover every now and then that people know, but we'll often put our own spin on that On that Of cover. course. Who writes the songs, though? It's a combination. Sometimes I'll come up with an idea and, or something that's almost fully written. Sometimes I might come with words and Neil's got a tune. Sometimes he'll come with something. So it's a real combination, and we usually work on each other's ideas. And Danita, who plays the fiddle, she, she's actually a classically trained musician, so she can often give us another perspective. So I've, there's I've, a richness... Through collaboration, you feel? Definitely. And even James and Dom, they're not so much writing, but they'll often have ideas about the arrangement of a song. So how about in this verse we drop these instruments out or we, we'll, we'll do a cappella here or whatever. So as a result of the New Year's Eve bushfires, mm-hmm. you wrote End of the Year. How did that come about? Yeah, the song The End of the Year, yeah. You know, as, as you would know, living in Kiama, this last summer was just terrible even though we weren't directly affected in terms of fire damage every day for weeks there was that smoke and ash and stuff washing up on the beaches and then new year's eve when we saw what had happened down at mogo and cabago we were just really uh, i guess impacted by thought of um, what had happened to those communities and seeing for example at lake conjola the people having to to actually run into the lake to avoid the fires terrible so in the wake of that i guess this was weighing on my mind and i wrote this song called the end of the year and uh, we played it at the illawarra folk festival i got very good feedback and so we decided to make that song available for a free download on our um website because obviously we didn't want to make money out of misfortune it's, it's been a song that a lot of people have reacted quite emotionally to and we hope that by writing the song it might make people think of people that are affected by the fires let's hear the song now out on the lake They could see his house from there And they watched the cruel flames take As ash rained down upon them And black smoke filled the air They went down to the sand They used to play And they held each other's hands Nobody was playing On the beach that day And while the world Sang old Lang Syne They waited on the beaches And they queued up in the lines Smelt the smoke the fear 
figures in the fire Faces grimy black But there was no time to be tired Wondering if they'd have a home When they finally got back And while the world Sang old lame signs they waited on the beaches And they queued up in the lines Smelt the smoke Felt the fear What a way to end The end of the year My country My Tree stood there, forest giants home to life. Now their blackened branches bear no animals of bird song in the eerie yellow light. And while the world sang old lang syne, they waited on the beaches. They queued up in the lines Smelt the smoke Felt the fear What a way to end The end of the year My country My country My This is Kayama Community Radio. having a chat with John Littridge from local band The Water Runners. The band recorded several albums. Tell us about them. We recorded an EP and we wrote our first crop of songs back in 2016 I think and then we produced then in 2017 an album called Heading South and then in 2019 we released our um, Point of No Return, that album, and we recorded that up at Kangaroo Valley under the, uh, the guiding hand of John Kane, who used to be in the um, Flying Emus, who were a very well-known country and bluegrass group. And uh, he was a great mentor, I guess, in making that album. And, and we pretty much recorded that album live in the sense that we all played at once. He had us all in separate parts of the studio. So if someone made a mistake, we could maybe fix something up later. But basically, we just did most of the songs in one or two hits. I hear that in, in 2018, the Water Runners received a Kaima Council cultural grant to record a new album? We, uh, yeah, and we were very grateful too because it went a long way towards the cost of the album. As it was, John did it for us pretty much at mates' rates, but still the amount of time involved in putting an album together 
meant that the money we got from council didn't quite cover it, but it was really great to get that money and also gave us a real incentive to carry on with the project. Part of our pitch for the grant was that we would raise the profile of the Kiama area. We strongly identify in all our promotional materials, so when we appear at festivals or gigs, we tell people where we're from. But also the album contains a number of songs that relate to local stories and both our albums do, the first album did as well. Uh, for example, on the first album you've got a song called The Ghostly Glen about a, a ghost story that is legendary around here about someone that met a grisly end on the windy road between Kiama and Gerringong and then uh, we've got a song called Take Me Back Home which is about when you come around the bend and you see Kiama or you come around the bend at Mount Pleasant and see Gerringong. So, yeah, we, we try to incorporate local stories. Now, in January, you played at the Tamworth Festival yep. for the first time. How was that? It was fantastic, but also very hot. Uh, so we didn't know what to expect. I, I'd always been a little bit sceptical about Tamworth, but I, I realised once I looked into it that country music is quite a broad church, that it's not just about achy, breaky heart, you know, um, line <laughs> yeah. dancing type stuff. There's um, a lot of musicians who put themselves in that country bracket that are doing similar stuff than what we're doing. They're all folk, folk singers, really. And, yeah, we really enjoyed it. And we got to play famous places like the Long Yard Hotel and got to rub shoulders with some other very talented musicians that we'd only knew of through the internet. And uh, so that was really nice. But you were also a finalist in the Tamworth Songwriters Awards, Bluegrass Section. Yeah, You're we very were. very modest. Yeah, we were. We, we, um, uh, our song, Point of No Return, which is the title track of uh, our latest album, actually made it in the final five. So in the finalists for the bluegrass section of the Tamworth Songwriters Association Awards. Which is pretty amazing. Well, we were pretty chuffed since it was our first time involved with that. We didn't come away with the prize, but it was a really lovely evening and it was really nice to be able to rub shoulders with people like um, people from the Bushwhackers, Amber Lawrence was there, and see people who are well known in the industry and put a name to a face and also... In between each award category, someone performed a song, and and yeah, it was, it was just and feel like you're part of that community. Yeah, as well. it's, it's really nice to feel part yeah. of that community and very accepting community. No one was there being snobby or um, turning their nose up because we weren't real country or whatever, you know, because we weren't wearing cowboy hats. They, they still let mm. us in. <laughs> of course. Now, how how are you coping with COVID restrictions? As yeah, I guess we're luckier than some in in that. Or well, myself and Neil and James, we have jobs, and Danita is a music teacher, so she's been able to um, continue that, albeit remotely. Uh, but it has had an impact in terms of our performances. Initially, no gigs at all, and festivals that we were so looking forward to this year, like Cabago, doing Majors Creek again. We're hoping that maybe we'd be doing Woodford in January. Kangaroo Valley, Folk by the Sea here at Kiama, all those things were coming up and basically all canned. But what we thought, well, what can we do? We didn't sit around sort of, I think the last live gig before COVID. We had the Kaima Jazz and Blues Festival early March, then in mid-March we had um, Tartha Hotel for a weekend down there and um, then on that Monday they announced everything was being pretty much shut down. And so in the April we decided to do our first live stream. Then we did basically some sort of live stream type show every few weeks over the course of the lockdown. We were part of a big live streamed festival here at Kiama that the council I think sponsored. People like Joe Mungovan and other local artists were playing, Penny um, Hartgrink. That was great fun. And then in July, the opportunity to start playing to real people opened up and we did uh, a few gigs in July. We did a thing for the folk club in at Wollongong at the end of July as well. And this weekend we've actually got two shows on, one in uh, Balambi, a house concert, and a ticketed event uh, in Kiama on the Sunday 
with a band called the Cruise and Juices who are coming down from um, Sydney. So we've found ways to still perform and we've had to often make our own. And I think things like house concerts, small gigs, where people can be COVID safe is the way to go at the moment because you just can't have those big, big shows Yeah, anymore. it may be a while until we can. Mm. So what's next? Yeah, well, we're hoping, uh, we're very much hoping to record another album towards the end of the year and looking to do a live album. And I don't mean live in a performance, but basically use a space and sit down and try to do the songs as if we were performing them live and do that recording because we don't have the time or funds to spend too much time in the studio. And we would would like to have something available, I guess, for next year when things start opening up again. So we've got a new bit of music that we can market. People may have stopped seeing music, but they haven't stopped being interested in music and buying music. And I guess what people are starting to realise, though, is how big a part live music plays in their enjoyment of their life and their quality of life. I've, I've been wondering how songwriting will be affected by the COVID experience. Will it be the theme of a lot of songs to come? It might be. Songwriters are also always a bit worried about writing something that dates, you know, that's, that's very set to a particular time. But I, I think it has been a very productive time for a lot of artists. They may That's have right. new songs, recorded stuff. A time On, to recoup and yeah. to be introspective. And, Online collaborations yeah. with others. I think generally people have been supportive. There's one couple I know who do a lot of folk music. Basically, that's how they make their living. And they had someone who was a very big fan of theirs, like a patron, as it were, give them some uh, money to basically help them along to make up for the gigs they'd missed. Now, I'm not asking people to start sending donations to the water runners. If you feel like doing that, that's fine. But I'm just saying that that I I do think there's a lot of goodwill out there towards musicians and, well, not from the government, but from from people. Of course, yeah, yeah. Where where can we buy your music? We we have a website, www.thewaterrunners.com. And all our music's available for purchase there. Or we're on Spotify, unfortunately, getting our point not 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 one cent every time <laughs> we get played. So um, you know, maybe in about a hundred years' time, we'll be able to go and buy a case of beer or something. But um, well, look, we wish you all the luck in the world, and we thank you for taking the time to talk to Kaima Community Radio. Thank you very much. KCR Kaima Community Radio dot org for the community by the community. Thank you, Gabby, and uh, thank you, John. And if you listen to John, you hear how hard it is for many of our artists to have survived over the past months, and not just our performing artists, but our visual artists as well. And one thing KCR does is showcase our artists throughout each of our podcasts. In looking at the catalogue of songs by the Water Runners, one title jumped out at me, and I'd like to share that song with you now. It's called South Coast Dreaming. South Coast Dreaming Dreaming and leaving tonight South Coast Dreaming Leaving the city behind Heading down the Princess Highway Past those dairy farms so green Music playing on the stereo Sunrise over the sea 
South Coast dreaming Dreaming of leaving tonight South Coast dreaming Leaving the city behind Pulling south of Valladolid Where the bushland tumbles to the sea Paddle out into the rolling surf Rugged coast, Bulaga Mountain Paradise to me South Coast dreaming Dreaming of leaving tonight South Coast dreaming Leaving the city behind South Coast Dreaming Dreaming of leaving tonight South Coast Dreaming Leaving the city behind I mentioned at the start of the broadcast that we would be covering cryptic chima clues with Fred Hollis and uh, that's the next block in this broadcast. I find the... Uh, Cryptic Chima Clues, not just fun to listen to, but hugely educational and informative. Hi everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Cryptic Kayama Clues. Fred Hollis again for the quiz show where we ask three questions about the Kayama local government area, its history, geography, and people of interest. The questions and correct answers to the last quiz are as follows. Question one. What do these three things have in common? Kayama, Marilyn Monroe, and Some Like It Hot. The answer is Orrie Kelly. Orrie Kelly was Australia's most prolific Oscar winner, having won three Academy Awards for Best Costume Design. He was born in Kayama and lived here until he was 17. Orrie Kelly worked on many films now considered classics, including The Maltese Falcon, Casablanca, Oklahoma, and Some Like It Hot. He designed for all the great actresses of his day, which was between 1932 and 63, including Bette Davis, Catherine Hepburn, Ava Gardner, Barbara Stanwyck, and he designed that famous dress of Marilyn Monroe in Some Like It Hot. Question 2. In the language of the local Darawal Aboriginal people, what does Jamboree mean? It means path or track. Question 3. Where could you once buy an Austin or a Leyland car in Kayama? A clue is on the outside of this building, which is currently being renovated, in Manning Street. It's the Caltech service station at the southern end of Manning Street. You can actually see the word Austin on the front-facing wall of the garage. This garage was opened in 1952 and was run by Freddie Addison for more than 60 years. He was always seen in a boiler suit and the garage became known as Addo's Corner Garage. And the winner of the third quiz, 
and a place in the record books is... Dan Balding. Dan will receive a winner's certificate beautifully crafted in an A4 formatted Word document that can be easily downloaded. He can choose to frame it and display it as a permanent record of this singular achievement. Congratulations again to Dan. So to the next three questions. Question one. Who is the famous rugby league player associated with Gerringong? That's a pretty easy one. Question two. In the words of the local Darawal people, the name for this community means plenty of fish. What is that community? And question three. What was the name of the railway station that was once located under the Omega Bridge, just north of Gerringong? So your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to answer those three questions. If you know the answers, you should email kcradiocontent at gmail.com. Remember to leave your name and suburb so we can give you a shout out and send you a certificate recording your achievement. The first, neatest, correct entry that answers all three questions will be announced in the next podcast. We will also go into some detail about the answers. No prizes at this stage, just glory. See you next time, and remember, as Ferris Bueller would say, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Thank you, Fred. Uh, Great cryptic climate clues. If you want to be part of Climate Community Radio, please go to our website and you can contact us by email at climatecommunityradio at gmail.com. I've been your host, Graham Jurassi, for this podcast. I wish you good health, lots of fun, and take care. You've been listening to Kayama Community Radio.